Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blom and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I'm very excited to introduce all of our listeners to Mohammed Acklin, who is the executive chef and owner of Maluga Restaurant and Catering, which is in Old City, Philadelphia. Mohammed, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. <laughs> no problem. Um, so I know I love food. Jean loves food. Uh, and I know that we both kind of highly enjoy tasting and experiencing different flavors, different um, cultures and cuisines. So I I want to kind of just start off with the fact that, you know, you're not originally from this country and you um, came here in, I believe you said 2014. Yes, yes. So I came I came to the U.S. in 2014 as a student. So I was doing, funny, I was doing aviation engineering when I came to New York City. And it, it was all by, by an accident going into the food industry. Yeah, I was, I was looking for a job while I'm, I was a student. So I worked in a restaurant. <laughs> and for some reasons, the chef didn't show up. So that restaurant was, yes, that restaurant was my cousin's restaurant. So he know that I, I love to cook or I love cooking. So I grew up just to let you know, I grew up with my gra- my grandma cooking since I was 12. So he said, would you mind helping me today? I said, okay, let me try. It's, it was basic. It was shawarma's falafel in Boston, actually. So I tried. And then I said, you know what? Um, I kind of love this. Let me let me focus on this. So I have one more year in, in college. I stopped it and I went to food industry. Hmm. And that is a vast difference of uh, engine between engineering and food. I mean, it, it, there is a math and an art to to both, but um, yes. the, <laughs> there is definitely a difference between the two. <laughs> Yes, they are, but trust me, I don't know why, but there is there is some some physics in both of them. Well, yes, you I, you certainly get the science part of it, um, you know, in, in understanding how things work and the cooking aspect of it and all that. But you know, it's such a creative and and variable world too. So it is an interesting transition. I mean, I'm very blessed i i also love the science aspect of cooking and all but you know it is such a creative uh different skill set as well so you know it's not it's not a change that everybody can make but you obviously were very successful at it and you know god bless you on that one um you know it's a tough transition for a lot of people thank you thank you so yeah after that i said you know what let me let me go in and to see more about food industry, I used to cook, but I wasn't a chef before. I don't know how restaurants work. So at that day, when I decided to open a restaurant, <laughs> I started from home. I called my grandma. I took all her recipes and I started from there. And I was surprised, like, 
how people like the food. I said, and I have that problem that I taste the food. I'd be like, oh, it's missing something. Let me add something. And people really love it. So since that day, uh, I started. Now, you before we actually hopped on, you and I started going into the differences between your cuisine, your culture's cuisine, and others that are, you know, kind of use some of the same flavors, but it definitely, there's a distinguishment between the different cuisines and cultures. So what distinguishes, you know, your grandmother's recipes that you love so much from other cuisines that are out there? So uh, I grew up just, uh, just like I told you, I grew up with my grandma having all that food since I was a kid. So our different but other cuisines, we don't use a lot of spices. And if if we think about it, like the Indian cuisine, Indian cuisine has a lot of Indian recipes. I mean, uh, spices. We do have similar, like we use a curry, we use the cumin, but not much. And we focus on slow cooking food. So we have this lamb honey dish. It's actually the best seller in our menu. So it's lamb marinated for 24 hours and it's cooked for six to seven hours. Which I'm sure uses, uh, like creates a tenderness and really like a, a nice flavor. Yes, yes, yes. So re- people really like that dish. And of course I did a small twist to it. And, and yeah, we have a lot of other stuff in the menu. So what are the primary proteins do you focus on in your restaurant? Obviously lamb, um, which is a big one with me. Uh, what are the other primary proteins? I, I'm thinking not a lot of beef, but I could be very wrong on that one. So, yeah. Uh, so in the Yemeni cuisine, we focus more about lamb and chicken. And we have big varieties of vegan food. So back in Yemen, yeah, because back in Yemen, people... They can't afford having meat or protein much. So that's why we do have a lot of a lot of vegan dishes in our in our menu, in our cuisine. Okay. That's very and and well, dairy is not a real popular thing in Yemen, I'm assuming, you know, because of temperature, because of a lot of different things. Historically, um, you know, cow's milk is not something or dairy is not something you would see a lot of. But mm. you know, the the total vegan uh concept. So a lot of rice and, and roasted vegetables and stuff. So now when you translate that here to your restaurant, are you struggling to find particular spices or ingredients or anything like that? Or did you have to adapt your recipes to fit the products that, that are here and, and you know readily available? So actually what I do, I do have spices come overseas every like four months, but it's rose spices. So I'd be like roasting them and grind them from time to time. So yeah, uh, most of our spices and especially we have something called fenugreek. We use it in most of our dishes. This has come directly from Yemen. Yes, I know the spice. I actually love it. It's a, I, I have some here. Um, not necessarily easy to find, but, you know, it's a great spice. And what you do find here commercially available is oftentimes just a very weak version of it. Um, so when you can get a good quality one, and it's just a really a joy to work with. 
Yes, yes, yes. But of course, we do have a lot of stuff coming from here because we can't depend on having spices and most of the stuff from Yemen because it's hard. It's hard. You know that. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So <clears throat> I know that. You know, I I delve into the Middle Eastern cuisines um, kind of often, and I know I love a good falafel um, <laughs> sandwich, which I know that uh, the Americanized version of of sandwiches is different than a Middle Eastern. So I just want to distinguish for our listeners out there that when you get a Middle Eastern sandwich, it's actually um, a wrap. It's wrapped in, I believe, a pita of some sort. Yes, yes. So uh, my idea about falafel, that's funny. I've been telling all my customers, falafels in everywhere, it's delicious. But you have to have it fresh. That's the key of great falafels. So I don't I don't mind having different recipes on falafel, but let's say if it is fresh, that, that would be great. So we use pita bread for it. And of course, tahini, the tahini sauce. And we do the twist in our falafel that we do mint in the sandwich. Mint leaf. <clears throat> Which I, I mean, mint is a nice flavor as long as it's not overpowering. Oh, it's not. It's not. It's just some 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 leaves in there. I am curious, though, because I, I feel like I've had numerous um, falafel sandwiches where they, they incorporate fries into it. Have you ever put fr- the French fries inside of it? I see uh, that smile. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of fries in a sandwich, to be honest. Okay. Because I'm like, I, I like having fries, but I like having it separate. So I'm I'm like you. I don't like having, like, taking a bite and at the end, like, you, you catch a fry and you're like, what? Yeah, what's that? Is it a falafel or a fry sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I know that you have um, something that I absolutely love is you have stuffed grape leaves as well on your menu. Oh, yeah. So uh, stuffed grape leaves, it's, it's hard to be made, to be honest. Because it takes it takes too long time to be done, but it's actually grape leaves uh, stuffed with rice, and in some other cuisines they stuff it with rice and meat. Actually, yeah, yeah, and, and I you mean, eat it cold. Yeah. Um. So what what are some of the other menu items that you have that are more popular? So in our menu, we have the most popular dishes for started from the appetizers, you have the hummus shawarma. So it's actually hummus with chicken shawarma on top. And we have new common dishes. It's actually hummus with lamb and hummus with falafel. And of course the plain hummus. And that's for appetizer. And for the main dishes, we have the best seller. We have the lamb hanif. The one I told you about is the lamb cooking for seven hours. And you have the chicken, the chicken mandis, it's half a chicken cooking for three hours. It's so tender, come with rice, saffron, and raisins and nuts. And for other vegetarian dishes, you have something called salta. So salta is a stew, uh, potatoes, okra, and whipped fenugreek on top of that. And it's served in, in a sizzling pot. Nice. And you have to try our dessert, 
you have something called sizzling arica, and it's not cold, it's sizzling hot, and it's a dessert. <laughs> so it's dates with bread, with table cream, honey, and flax seeds. So what are the primary beverages then that go, go along with that? Like in Indian cuisine, we have lassies. Uh, what are the beverages that are significant to, you know, Yemen cuisine? Besides, I'm assuming tea, but um, besides so, <laughs> Yeah. So actually, let me tell you something about coffee. We do a lot of coffee in Yemeni cuisine. <laughs> if you yeah. know mocha, uh, mocha coffee, it's actually mocha. It's a place in Yemen called mocha. Okay. So we 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 have our coffee from Yemen. We have the Yemeni latte. It's coffee with milk. And you have the Yemeni tea with cinnamon and cardamom and all and mint. And you have the iced adani. It's uh you have the hot adani and the iced adani. It's actually tea with milk with our spices, Yemeni spices. And we have yeah, lemonade, mint lemonade. It's iced one. Um, let me jump in for one second because I, I do know that a lot of the and you mentioned it, you you referenced the um the the madra. Um, what is that? Because a lot of your dishes, it seems like on your menu are utilize that. Um, so our listeners who are out there that don't know what it is, or you know, I I actually am not familiar enough with it. Can you can you go over what that is? So Madara Madara is it's a black stone pot we cook in it. So we serve food in that so to keep the heat temperature hot. So <laughs> yeah. is it kind of like a volcanic stone where it holds Exactly. Yeah, so yes. it like holds and maintain maintains that heat when you're in Do you put that in the oven or can you like Put it in the fire. At, at first, we have to put it in the oven, and then just to keep the heat, uh, to we put it on the stove. And I think that who who use this madara thing, the same as our culture, is the Korean Co- Korean uh, cuisine. I yeah, and, I have seen that in uh, Korean cuisines as well. Um, yeah. And I I've I do know one sushi place that utilizes it too. So it's it's interesting that you know. That you you know utilize that in your cooking as well, um, and I'm wondering you know do do you keep it seasoned? Because I know like with woks and and whatnot, you have to keep them seasoned. So yeah, so we start with that. We have to season it. We have to uh, to put it in put the it for for 24 hours before you start cooking with that. I mean that's one thing one time thing you have to do after you buy that. And we used to, that remind me we used to do in Yemen. So we heat it up and we have that on the serving table and we cook on the table, not on the stove. Oh, that's very cool. Yes. <laughs> well, um, I I highly appreciate all different kinds of versions of cooking and cuisine and cultures. And as I'm sure that Jean does as well. Um, and I know that. Well, Oh, sorry. One of the questions I, I have just because of regional and, and things like that, like, you know, when I, I talk about olive oils because I'm a huge fan of olive oils and, you know, I know that it's still something there that is, is a, a prominent item. And, you know, if you go to Italy, if you go to Italy, most, 
restaurants actually use the Spanish olive oil. And most Italian olive oils are shipped out of the country to America where they get a better price for it. Is there a particular uh, flavor or style of olive oil that is used in Yemeni cuisine? So the sad thing that Yemeni cuisine don't have olive oil. So we use a lot of ghee. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Yes. Yes. But since I have, and that happened last year, uh, my sous chef is Italian. So he introduced me to Italian olive oil. That's why we changed. I mean, we, we have olive oil from Italy for now. We use it on hummus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Amorous? Well, I am so appreciative of the fact that you joined us on Food Farms and Chefs. And for anybody who is looking to visit your store, to visit you in person and try out your foods, where can they find you online and in person? So uh, thank you. And you are most welcome to come to the restaurant. It's actually in 134 Chestnut Street in Philadelphia, Old City. And of course, uh, you can always go in to the, our website, malugacatering.com or Maluga Catering in Instagram and TikTok. I did see that you have a TikTok. So yes, awesome. <laughs> it's actually been so viral. We've been so viral on TikTok. Well, which is a good thing because that'll bring foot traffic. So yes, trust me, Philadelphia <laughs> community, they've been so helpful. We thank them so much. They helped us a lot. That's wonderful to hear. And hopefully our listeners will stop in and try out your food. Thank you so much. No thank problem. Thank you for having me today. Thank you. And we will be right back after this short break. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. It's Amaris Pollock and Gene Blum here from Food Farms and Chefs. We wanted to wish you a wonderful holiday season. And if you're looking for a delicious way to celebrate, you can tune in to Food Farms and Chefs on WWDB at 6 p.m. on Tuesdays. Hi, everyone. So welcome back from our break. And I just want to say a very happy Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. And we are continuing our celebrations this time around the globe. And Gene, why don't you kick us off? Well, if we talk about different celebrations from places around the world, we're going to skip a little bit of the food and just talk about some other kind of interesting and, and strange traditions. So one of my favorites, I, and for all those, you know, I grew up being told that I was going to get cold in my stocking if I was uh, a bad, uh, you know, young man. But in Iceland, um, they have the kind of 13 days of Christmas, and they call them the 13 Yolands. But uh, every night, the kids place their shoes by the window, and then they go up to bed. 
in the morning, they come down and either in their shoes, there is candy if they've been good, but rotting potatoes if they were not so good. You know, make a call sheet so well there, because I will take that over rotting potatoes any time. Michelle, you skip up just a short amount of time or distance to go to Finland. They start off the holiday with like a warm porridge. It's kind of a warm rice pudding made with uh, milk and butter and cinnamon. And then they put almond, uh, an almond in the whole almond. And the person who finds the almond wins. If you have multiple kids, you probably put several almonds in so that we feel left out or whatever. But my favorite thing about what they do is in the evening, they have a family sauna where they all kind of get in and, and have a sauna together on on Christmas night, you know, like just a little bizarre tradition, but hey, you know, what works? So, you know, how about uh, some of the interesting things that you do or know about? Well, I'm more of a stateside kind of gal for uh, information that I'm offering up, but one of the things that I, I found out was there's an actual town in Indiana that's called Santa Claus. So Santa Claus, Indiana, um, celebrates Christmas, obviously, in a big way, um, and and the whole town celebrates during the month of December, starting in November, um, like from Thanksgiving on to about January, but they have everything under the sun that you can do. They have light festivals. They have a Santa Polar Express that, you know, is a, a stationary train, so it doesn't actually move, but you can go on it and, you know, greet Santa, take pictures. Um, you can have milk and cookies with Santa. There's other treats that you can have while you're doing that. Um, and there's activities up the wazoo that you can do that are family friendly along with some of the stuff that they actually do is they physically roast chestnuts over an open fire, which I don't, I mean, I know that it's in the song and I know it used to be a holiday tradition a long time ago, but I didn't know that there's actually like, you know, individuals who still do that. I thought that that's just like, you know, you go to a store and you get chestnuts that are already, you know, ready to eat um, or you crack open a chestnut at home and like use it to bake something. But no, you actually get to go to Santa, Santa Claus, Indiana, which still boggles my mind that there's a, a Santa Claus, Indiana um, to celebrate the holidays at. So are you saying you don't have a chestnut roaster at home? I do not. I don't have a chestnut. Uh, any No one at our house roasts chestnuts. And I mean, I know that you can do it in a saucepan um, that you, you know, don't care so much about, but like, or not a saucepan, um, a frying pan. Um, but I've never actually physically done that. Have you done that, Gene? I have. I actually have a chestnut roaster. Uh, it's a kind of a, it's a closed, it looks like a, something you would put in the fire. It is something you would put in the fireplace. It's all long handle and you put the chestnuts in it and then you close the lid and they go in there and they roast that way. I could do it in my fireplace at home. That's very cool. So, um, I, I, <clears throat> I, I have done it. Uh, not something I do as a tradition, but yes, I've done it. So, you know, <laughs> One of the one of the weird things I came across, you know, many years ago, reading stories about traditions and stuff, 
that was kind of a, a little weird. So in Austria, um, around December 6th, so the Feast of St. Nicholas, uh, which is, you know, we're in, around December 6th, Austria, they have uh, the story of like a devil-like creature that's called uh, Campus. And, um, you know, kids on the Feast of St. Nicholas are asked whether they, you know, to produce a list of good deeds and bad deeds that they've done for the summer or for the for the year. And if the good deeds outnumber the bad deeds, they receive, you know, gingerbread cookies or sweets and things like that. But if they're bad, they don't receive anything, and they're left to think about what campus may bring them. I thought Christmas was supposed to be a bright, cheery time. But, <laughs> you know. I mean, it definitely is supposed to. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, very, very interesting. So what else have you discovered in your uh, traveling through? I mean, we have limited time, so I'm going to try to actually go on the big the big ones. In Colorado Springs, um, there is a place called the Madrigal Banquet at Glen Erie Castle. And um, if you want to speak about, like, holiday celebrations, you know, what's more iconic than seeing a bunch of snow surrounding a, <laughs> a castle that was you know, born out of the 16th century, but annually they have a Christmas celebration where not only do you, can you dress up in, you know, Renaissance style fair if you so choose, all of the servers and there's performers that bring out on big, huge trays, parading through the crowds who are, you know, seated for this four course dinner celebration um, where there's performances where people sing during it, there's a gesture, like, it's almost like you get enveloped in, you know, the olden days. But obviously, it's, it's a current, you know, our current years. But, you know, it's a huge celebration that they have every single year, four-course dinner, um, huge trays of, like, I mean, fully roasted meats, like, um, all of your, all of your, Sides are, are brought out on large trays, but I mean, the exquisite nature of, of this particular celebration, like if you go online and Google it, you will see the most fantastic um, experience that you probably could have during the holidays, but it's in Colorado Springs, like in a picturesque castle. Well, Colorado Springs is a great place to be any time of year, but I think that that's something worth looking at. So, you know, we talk about different things. we got to remember it, and, you know, it's easy to forget because we all relate to what we're living in and what's going on and things like that. But in New Zealand, you know, it's the heart of the summertime for Christmas. So it, it literally is Christmas in July, you know. So in New Zealand, they celebrate Christmas with big beach barbecues with, you know, fresh fish and shellfish and vegetables and meats. And, you know, they head to the beach and have a big barbecue and just really, you know, enjoy that. And their Christmas tree is actually a tree that um, has these big, you know, it's a big tree that has all these red, colorful blooms, um, you know, that is it provides shade and stuff like that. And it provides that red color and the blues in the summertime. 
So that is their Christmas tree that you know with as well. But yeah, you know, what's the idea about like you know, you go and celebrate at a barbecue, I guess we do that in Hawaii too. I mean, I would love to celebrate that way, like especially because if it, it it's incorporating something so significant because what's more iconic than Christmas trees, having something like that also in addition to, you know, celebrating with your feast. Like I think that's that's a huge, you know, significance for celebrating but i mean it's our time flies by so really quick you know i want to also add in the fact that there is a town inside of georgia that literally because everybody loves hallmark channel movies literally this town is so picturesque that Hallmark went and filmed in it. Um, so, and I'm probably going to get mail, like, referring to how I'm pronouncing this, but Dolanaga, Georgia, is a place in Georgia uh, that celebrates Christmas in a big way, too, because they have, an, you know, festival of lights, they have carriage rides, they have um, specific food truck events, they even have mold wine weekends. <laughs> That is a town that knows how to have fun um, and knows Absolutely. how to celebrate. Well, I we would be, I would be, you know, out of out of place if I didn't mention my day tomorrow going up. You know, tradition my wife and I have. So we'll be taking the train up tomorrow. We see the Rockettes, uh, you know, for a two o'clock show. We then go to Macy's. And Macy's has this fabulous restaurant. I don't want to say around the seventh floor, but it's a great open air restaurant. And the backdrop is, you know, the Empire State Building. But before we get to Macy's, we kind of do Rockefeller Square, see the tree. And of course, you got to see, you know, the, the store windows and the big department stores. But then we go and we spend the hour in Sandland at Macy's after dinner before we get to Good Santa and get our picture taken. And ladies and gentlemen, if you've never been to Santa Land in Macy's, New York City, and everybody who knows me knows I'm a Philadelphia person, so I'm giving New York a shout out here. There is no better Santa and no better Santa Land than Macy's in New York. Well worth the trip. Get it done. I was going to say, I agree. I totally agree. I've been there. It's a lot of fun. There's multiple layers. Like every floor has something. Um, so you can tour Macy's on every floor, which is amazing and astounding. And then go to FEO Schwartz and see what's going on there, too, because that's a lot of fun for anybody who has kids. Or if you're an adult with a childlike heart, there's a love of toys there. Join us on Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-hosts Gene Blum and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB 97.5 HD2 and at WWDBAM.com and on your smart speaker. And welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I'm very excited to introduce all of you to Brian Smith and Eric Mayhew, who are the co-owners of Doghouse Grill. Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. 
no problem. Now I know, um, Brian, that you have a history in the culinary field. You went to school to Johnson and Wales. I do not know Eric's history within the culinary community. Um, um, but sorry, I, I really don't have one, one besides uh, working in the culinary industry and coffee shops and various food places and high school co and college and stuff like that. Um, I'm more business mindseted, uh, tr trade oriented, so I can pretty much fix and design anything. So, yeah, I'm putting him through my own culinary school right now <laughs> <laughs> on the truck. <laughs> so that's the best way to do it. Hands on. <laughs> best way to learn. And, you know, Gene, Gene actually uh, used to teach students in, in a culinary school as well. Uh, which uh, which school? I was uh, in a high school vocational program and I did a little at the restaurant school and I did some different adjunct programs here or there throughout the years, but I was high school culinary. I started in Philadelphia at Swenson and then moved up into Bucks County and then ended up back at uh, Bach High School in South Philly before it closed. So. Oh, wonderful. We're actually looking into uh, trying to see if we can hire a, a high school culinary student from one of the Votex near us. It's always a good thing to do if you could do that um, and work with them and help them do part of their apprenticeship program and all that. It's great. So. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, since you are going live uh, across the globe and, and on, you know, the radio waves within <laughs> your community, Anybody who's a listener out there, if you know somebody who's uh, a student, like feel free to reach out to our guest. But back to you guys and back to Doghouse Grill. How did you come about like orchestrating this? Like how how did this, you know, turn into a thing? Because it seems like it's both of you with both your dads. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, kind of crazy how it all happened. So uh at the time, probably about a year ago, I was a sergeant in Philly PD um, in the city. And uh, Eric is opening a cidery um, with his father. They used to own a pest control company, uh, which was the old country kitchen in Elmer, um, which is kind of like a diner staple. Uh, they bought that building for the pest control and they ended up um, selling the pest control business and getting into the cider business. Um, and then he called me up and, and brought me on board. Uh, and you know, there was a plan for them to open a food truck because in Jersey, unfortunately, uh, they do not let you serve food out of breweries. So the workaround with that is, you know, uh, having a food truck near the premises. Um, so <clears throat> we, you know, uh, that's where I came in, uh, to, to help open up the food truck portion of it. Um, and because Sirius Brewing Company is named after Eric's dog, we decided to loosely tie the the truck to as Doghouse Grill. And um, the name actually came first. So we thought about that. And we're like, oh, that sounds like a great name. What do we do? And I'm like, obviously hot dogs. <laughs> Couldn't think of anything else. So um, uh, it it went that far. I needed to get my dad involved because I wanted him to uh, help with you know, some of the, the payment of the truck. Um, plus, you know, I, I, he's retired now, so I needed to get him into something. And, uh, that's, that's how I brought my dad on board. So it ended up being like a, a father son duo thing. And and now I got him on at breakfast and Eric's dad on uh, at lunch. 
<laughs> so it's really it's 100% a family thing because you incorporated everybody including the four-legged fur baby <laughs> yes yes absolutely <laughs> so I I want to also mention the fact that these aren't just like your run-of-the-mill hot dogs where you know go in and it's just a hot dog you know plopped in a bun and then you put ketchup or, or whatever mustard your choice um or relish that you guys actually have artisanal uh hot dogs yes we <laughs> sorry go ahead no and i was like and i and also smash burgers too yeah 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 the uh the hot dog thing i i I don't think i can do anything without like going to the extreme uh so i thought i i gotta make hot dogs myself from from scratch you know learn the process and then uh go all out but it it ended up being beneficial to us because you can really turn anything into a hot dog you know, like you can, you know, we, we use cellulose casing, so you can stuff anything in, in there and you can get real creative with it. Um, you know, so any cuisine that you really want, any, uh, any nationality, you know, you can do Mexican, you can do, you know, Asian, you can do Indian, you can really do anything on, on a hot dog and get crazy with it. So, um, you know, we got real excited about that. I'm I'm sure that you know your you and all of your uh, the people that have tried out your your foods are excited about that. I know that um, Gene Gene has has a history with hot dogs or um, something related to hot dogs where he wears a shirt that sure. that says a lot. Um, but he wow, he, that was a big stretch, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, tell me more. <laughs> there's, there's a shirt that he that he wears, or a sign that that he had out that uh, was cr- kind of funny during um, LGBTQ um, Pride Parade, and so, so, so I let a him. Friend, a, a good friend of mine owns um, a very large food truck business, and and he's in South Jersey, so. Um, one of the things we were very big sponsors of of Outfest and Gay Pride. And as being a sponsor, we got to kind of pick our truck that nobody else could duplicate. So we chose to do Italian, but sausage and meatballs and you know, things like that. And you know, one of the what we we generated a very big sign that said, you know, nine inch Italian sausage, I'd give you more handle it. <laughs> and um, you know, it, it was amazing the comments that we would get and the people that would come to the truck and say, What do you mean I can't handle it? And you know, so on and so forth. So uh just became a lot of fun. So it's that's actually a great marketing. Remember? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a great thing, you know, and it was it's a great event. So you yeah, know un- unfortunately we're only uh six and a half inches with our hot dogs, but uh, sometimes, yeah, yeah. sometimes seven, it, it depends on <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> that that was a stretch on my part, but you know. <laughs> well, there you go. You just said it all. So okay, <laughs> now before we get now before we all get letters from the FCC. Um, so uh let's go back to uh where we were. Yes. I apologize. So um outside of the hot dogs that you you guys offer, which I have to say you get very, very creative and yes, um you 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 don't do things just like on a low level, you do it on a bigger level. Um, I I saw on your Instagram and I had commented and you guys resp- replied. Yes. And in 
the draw of the what was it the not um what was that hot dog worst yeah the not worst the draw of it for me was the fact that you you beer braised the onions yes i mean i i i was like why haven't i done that (laughs) (laughs) it's it's delicious i like i may have gone overboard because i I do a lot of like a lot of stuff on the truck we cook with beer um and uh like we do our kraut with beer as well um but i wanted that hot dog to have more of a german feel to it but at the same time we're not doing bratwurst because they're not sausages so that's that's where the the term not worse came in because it's not a bratwurst but it's still got like the german you know um german feel to it and uh i want to incorporate beer specifically because of the brewery because eventually when the brewery does open i'd love to use serious brewing companies beer in some of our recipes and kind of tie them together and then you know um be able to do beer pairings with the food and 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 whatnot well that's a great way to go as somebody who is actually in the brewery business we incorporate beer into a lot of our items um we do uh you know one of the we obviously do a, a beer a beer cheese that we make and then we use it in our onion soup as well. And we also do, um, we have a cinnamon whiskey cider that we make as Ooh, well. Yeah. And um, I make cider donuts with that as oh. well. It's really good too. And uh, that that's kind of our, the cinnamon whiskey cider is one of our signature products. But yeah, you know, when you can incorporate those signature beers or, you know, ciders or whatever you're making into it, it you know, it's a, just the, such a great natural thing to get people to do that and you really do taste it you could you know then have a you know a beer and 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 wow yeah okay i get this you know it's such a good thing and i think a good beer cheese with you guys made from you know your beer there will be a a a natural you know big hit yeah like a welsh rare bit kind of thing yep yep yeah Yeah, i mean we use it we actually put it on our cheese steaks. We use it on a burger. We make it as we use it as the cheese sauce for fries. Um, I even incorporated it into our nachos. So, um, you know, we use it in a lot of different places. We take a variation of it. We can spice it up a little bit, but yeah, it's it's a great base. Yeah, we we definitely want to incorporate those things and and then also kind of expand our menu. You know, we we do specialize in hot dogs, but being doghouse grill like i want to be able to do more than that just so you know things don't get stale and people don't get sick of hot dogs all the time you know that's why we added the smash burger uh come uh-huh. january i want to expand that you know um and we'll be adding beignets as well well you know just as a side note what i discovered this year during um football season we do a pizza we do it a game day called a game day pizza and it's very slicely or thinly sliced hot dogs on the pizza as well uh, it's phenomenal, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it is absolutely phenomenal it sounds terrible it is delicious it, well no it's amazing what uh how versatile you can do with hot dogs i actually had a customer come up to me the other day and he and uh he ordered one of our hot dogs on doordash and he's just like I took the hot dog out of the bun and I cut and this guy, he's, he's had our hot dogs like tons of times. He's a, he's a, a real regular. And he's like, oh, I cut it up and I put it in baked beans. It was amazing. He's like, you should put that on the menu. And I'm like, it's actually not a bad thought. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a classic baked beans and hot dogs. Yeah. Oh, I don't 
Yeah. So talk a little bit about um, your smash burgers too. Yeah. So our smash burgers, two four ounce patties, uh, char grilled. Um, and then I, I wanted it to be similar to a Big Mac, but elevated a little bit. Uh, so we have a special sauce that is um, similar, but not exactly the same. And, uh, you know, we put bacon, lettuce, tomato, um, and it static as a as a smash burger now but i do want to uh use eight ounce patties and tempt them because i i mean i'd be impressed if somebody came to a food truck and ordered a burger and they're like well how do you want that cooked you know so um eventually we are gonna to add an option to to get uh you know eight ounce patties and get it medium rare medium that kind of thing i mean which is good now i'm gonna start back to the beignets because yeah. you said that they're not on your menu yet but like the beignets like it's a very you can have them for breakfast mm -hmm. so i don't know if that's that's your plan because i do know that you have breakfast available yes um, do you ever do like a hangover burger for breakfast no but that's a really good idea <laughs> yeah that, um now that you have said that i think that's something we might might have to do that that and i wanted to do a breakfast hot dog um you know do uh, your basic breakfast sausage but turn it into a hot dog and then you know do a fried egg on top some bacon melted cheese kind of thing um so we could have a hangover burger we could have a hangover hot dog um sky's sky's the limit yeah but we, yeah. we kind of fell into it was i i wouldn't say it was a formulated plan but we definitely fell into a lot of things you know, with the beignets, we just started doing lattes, you know, with like the art on top. And as far as breakfast is concerned, there's definitely a lot of things that are expanding. Well, I think Gene is one of my fellow coffee drinkers. So, uh, Gene, would you would you stop in for a latte? Uh, yeah, actually, I would. It's just different and I like different. So I'm certainly going to do that. And, and, you know, breakfast, breakfast proteins. Yeah. To venture out a little bit, as I said, you know, I know a little bit about that. We do, uh, we do brunch, you know, at our place, the brewery, and brunch is a huge thing. So, you know, being able to do that and and incorporate and, you know, we incorporate a burger. We have a breakfast burger. We love putting eggs on things. We do a, a great roast pork sandwich that has a fried egg on it as well. So, you know, anytime you can, you know incorporate different proteins and hot dogs are just such a natural thing and obviously you're doing much more than hot dogs you're you know you're doing sausages you're doing you know knockwurst or bratwurst style things so you know there's a lot going on there which just makes me want to come out and try that because i absolutely love that <laughs> yeah we'd love to have you and also to to try it when you guys get the uh the brewery up and running as well because that um you have a projected date like in the future. So I, you have a lot of different things kind of going on all at once. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's definitely overwhelming. <laughs> we actually, uh, we want to open up a second truck too, uh, you know, if, if we're able to and um, do another, you know, type of cuisine and, and just, just so I, I don't know, you know, if, if one truck's going to be able to handle the demand of the brewery. So we might have to, uh, to venture out, get another one. I mean, you could always try your hand at at doing the the brick oven fire roasted uh, food truck, like where they have the actual 
um kind of thing on the truck yeah we yeah we uh we actually saw one on auction recently and we were tempted we were, <laughs> we were looking at the price go up and we're like can we do this right now um yeah there's there's a lot of pizza places in the area um oddly enough i think a lot of the the feedback we've been getting is people want chinese food huh. so I, we were thinking about maybe opening up a, a Chinese food truck and calling it doghouse walk or something like that. And, you know, just uh, trying to get as authentic as possible without, you know, actually having lived there, or, <laughs> you know, uh, studied that cuisine. So it'd be a challenge. It would be a challenge, but probably a fun one. Oh, absolutely. That'd be a blast. I mean, and you could always go around to the dick because there are food trucks that that offer that, um, like, I think walk and roll or something to that matter is one of the food trucks. You can go to one of theirs and taste it. I'm sure, you know, there's a family of, of food truck and foodies that you, you've incorporated into your li- lives at this point. So, taste oh, yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to do some market research for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, trying out food is never like a... Yeah. a a hard thing. <laughs> uh, <twist> my arm. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, we unfortunately are running down low on time, but, um, for our listeners out there that would like to visit you, what are your hours of operation and where can they find you? So currently we are located at three, six, nine Harding highway on route 40 in Elmer, New Jersey, uh, or Pittsgrove. Um, and that is the old, uh, the parking lot of the old country kitchen. Um, our hours are 7 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. However, Saturday, January 6th, we will be opening uh, Saturday nights until 8 and Friday nights until 8. So um, we're expanding our hours a little bit just to reach people who haven't had a chance to come and try our food yet because they work and, and whatnot. Um, and uh uh, we plan on being there long term. Uh, we might do events here and there, and and in which case we'll notify everyone that we won't be there. Um, but that is that's where we are. Well, I look forward to trying out one of your hot dogs in particular. Then not not worse. Yes, <laughs> yes. Please come come for a hot dog, and uh, I will make you a, a a latte with the the special art on top and. <laughs> nice and pretty <laughs> thank you and i'll take nice nice pictures of it and not uh, yes. join us yes you are a food photographer i did learn that <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> you did your research too <laughs> <I did. laughs> all right well thank you on behalf of food firms and chefs for joining us on the show gentlemen good luck if there's anything i could ever uh do for you in in kind of uh some guidance for uh you know fruit uh the food truck or the brewery. I know a lot about both actually. Um, you know, it's been a good part of my career in both, in both aspects, but so. Yes, please. We would, uh, we would love to talk to you. We're, we're definitely open to, you know, learning as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it was great. I, I enjoyed the brewery aspect of it and certainly, uh, you love the food truck aspect, but, uh, glad to be away from that now. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And we will be back every single week with a brand new episode. Um, Although we are taking a break for Christmas. So happy holidays, everyone.
To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Manion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the five words he spoke before leaving for his final deployment. If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Manion Foundation. Words that live in veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians who go out of their way to find a way, who help others with the help of others, who bounce back after each setback who make good on good intentions. Through Travis Manion Foundation, if not me, then who, are words that can live in you too. Show the world what your character is made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. That's travismanion.org. Joe Buck and John Smoltz welcoming you back to the City Center Convenience Mart. Well, John, the stage is set for the final transaction. That's right, Joe. Heather's moment has arrived, and you just hope all that training pays off. Heather lays down her purchase, but Randy rings it up as slowly as he can. He is a wily veteran. It gives Heather's eyes the chance to wander. Uh-oh. Yep, she's looking at the cigarettes. There's nothing good back there. Quit now, and in five years, your odds of getting certain cancers drop 50%. Meanwhile, Randy's stone-faced. He's giving nothing away. He just stands there, wetting his cashier's finger on that sponge. Heather toes the rubber. Here we go. Heather's arm is in motion. But instead of pointing at the back wall, she just grabs the gum off the counter. That's a slick move. Heather back, back, back. She is out of there. Even Randy tips his cap to Heather. Stand up to cancer and rally wants you to reduce your risk for cancer. Go to takeahealthystand.org. It's pouring rain. It's real dark outside. Your heart starts beating really, really fast. You've never done anything so hard in your life. This is boot camp. This is the real thing now. It's such extreme pain, you don't understand how you can finish. I began to feel that there was no way I was ever going to have my title, U.S. Marine. It takes special inner strength, courage, and desire to do this. I was just thinking, I'm so close. I'm so close. And when I, I finished, I was like, I'm done. I did it. The moment I will never forget is when this drill instructor that I admire so much comes up to me straight in front of me, put her arm on my shoulder and said, good morning, Marine. PFC Summer Volkman became a Marine. Can you? Visit Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES. The few, the proud, the Marines.
First Responders Children's Foundation takes care of the children and families the brave ones leave at home. Help us help them. These are the beautiful voices of police officers, firefighters, nurses, and teenagers who remind us that we can come together and create harmony and unity. Brave to 24365 to learn how you can help your first responder community today.